0: Good evening and welcome to Amplify, a telephone talk show that looks at life from a religious perspective. I'm Father Ron Languant, hoping you have felt the warmth of God's love in your life this day, but especially the joy you feel when you share God's love with others. As we do each week, I'd like to begin our program with a story that is based on faith and formed with imagination. A mother... Father and their children sat, huddled together with Jesus and his friends. The children were trying hard to stay awake to listen to what was being said. Jesus smiled gently as he held the youngest child close to him. She was a very gentle, sweet child. Her dark eyes looked up at Jesus and she said, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, Master. I'm afraid. Jesus asked her, what frightens you? Her mother said to her, hush, child, hush. I'm afraid, she repeated. You must tell me what frightens you, Jesus said again and then continued. Do you not feel the strength in my arms? Do you not know you are loved by many people? Your brothers and sisters who are here with you, your mother and father, your uncle, and my friends who are your friends. Do not f- feel. Do you not feel our love for you, and our protection. Again, she simply answered, I'm afraid. Her mother reprimanded her again, but Jesus pulled the child closer to him and said, Again, I ask you, what frightens you? She answered, The darkness. I'm afraid someone will take me away. What can you see? Because I can hardly see you. If it weren't for the fire and it's not very bright, I wouldn't see you at all. But again, Jesus asked, look up, child, look up at the sky and tell me what you see. A star, she answered. Jesus said, yes, a star. When you see a star, you see an opening in the heavens. That is where the heavenly father peers out, where the angels have opened a door to look down at you, to comfort you and protect you. She looked at Jesus long and hard before she said, But I don't see anyone. Jesus replied, Do you have to see someone to know you are loved? The Father loves all of his children and has given us so much. He has given us water to drink, the fields in which to grow wheat, the sun to give warmth to the earth and rain to nourish it. He has given us the moon so that we may have light and peace at night, so that we may reflect on his love and even quiet times. He gives gifts to both adults and children. He has given us the stars, the beautiful, beautiful light from the heavens. I tell you this, child, never be afraid of the dark, because when you look up into the sky, you will see light from heavens. We have not been abandoned and we shall never be, because the love of God is always with us. It's a lesson that our guest tonight has learned. We have not been abandoned, and we shall never be, because the love of God is always with us. I'm going to read from the back of the book titled, Restless Heart, My Struggle with Life and Sexuality. In this candid and vulnerable memoir, Kim Zember exposes details of of her life that many wouldn't dare to admit, let alone publish. Her desires for women, money, and comfort led her down a path far from that of her Christian upbringing. Her impulsive lifestyle, coupled with an underlying fear of being alone, constantly drove her to drown out the small whisper of God she hears in the moments of silence and stillness. Torn by her desire, she lives a double life, jumping back and forth from husband to girlfriends, drunken nights to morning church, South California real estate to nonprofit work in Ethiopia, conflict, questioning, and seeking embody the struggle of a human soul. Yet even in the darkest moments, love breaks through in radical ways and carries her into her God-given purpose into serving others, into joy. Kim's transparency about her life offers encouragement to those seeking peace and joy for their own restless hearts. In the end, love wins. Kim Zember speaks internationally about the love and freedom she has found in her life. She loves people and strives to be totally transparent, and to help others know they are safe to do the same as Jesus told the little girl in the story I just told. When Kim is not in Southern California, she is most likely found in her, quote-unquote, home away from home, Ethiopia, surrounded by her 280-plus children. And the proceeds of this book are going to her nonprofit, Unforgotten Faces. Kim Zember, welcome to Amplify. Oh, honored to be on. Um, What is the value of being totally transparent about your life? So many of us don't want to do that. We'd prefer it be between me and God and Mm -hmm. uh, not to tell anyone else.
1: Well, I would say it's one of Satan's probably best tools uh, is to keep it to yourself Um, because there's a freedom that comes when you... Can truly just be really you, um, and that means the the flaws, the blessings, the beauty, everything. Because now, you, God has I feel like transparency. Though God knows everything, but when we choose to be transparent with 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 God and our own relationship with Him, but then also with others, um, it gives God the freedom. Um, I always say when when we reveal, He heals, right? And so yes. we bring it. To Christ and say, this is, this is what I'm struggling with, or this is what it is, and there's a freedom in that. Like, there's so much—I know for myself, I can't speak for others, but I know for me, living with so many secrets and whatnot um, was exhausting, and it, it created this weight on me that mm-hmm. I would never wish upon anyone.
0: Your book begins with uh, the affirmation that uh, love wins, love overcomes a restless heart. What, what, what is a restless heart? How would you define or describe a restless heart?
1: Constantly seeking, constantly seeking, constantly seeking love, joy, acceptance. Um, it's, it's, it's tireless. Like it, it's, I don't know, for me, I was, I was always going, you know, there was just a lack of peace. And so for me, a restless heart was just in constant search, is how I would say.
0: Your um, book begins with a kiss that changed everything. Um, you kissed a girl and you liked it. You wonder what was the big deal. And you describe it as a new excitement, a new thrill, a new intimacy that you never knew before. And you wondered how kissing a girl and wanting to be with her was that big of a deal. And and that's true in, in so many ways. So women kiss one another. Girls kiss one another. But then when you're 18... You're kissed by a 30-year-old woman, and it changes, doesn't it?
1: Well, it changed actually in high school. That
0: very first kiss
1: uh, in high school uh, when it was the girl that was the same age as me, um, that actually changed everything and opened a door um, that rapidly got more and more um, intense um, behind that. So, um, but, yeah, no, it was, it was for sure the, the first kiss in high school. Uh, that that started things off.
0: And just about the same time you started a successful real estate business Mm -hmm. and nothing seemed to matter except uh, having a good time. And uh, you began to jump from a woman to woman and you were confused Mm -hmm. but chose not to think about it. A lot of us try to hide that way, don't we?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, the bars um, took care of overthinking, you know, Um, when
0: I would just have
1: a drink and quote unquote, relax, you know, and, uh, really what it was doing for me was numbing my conscience. I didn't want to hear the voice of God anymore because (laughs) I didn't want to listen, you know, um, St. Augustine, right. Make me chase just not right now. And so for me, I always knew, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up, you know, Catholic and private Catholic school. And so for me, it wasn't a knowing this was right or wrong. It was not wanting to do what was right um, and enjoying what was wrong. You know, um, there, like a, like you had mentioned, the thrill uh, in it. and But there was a cost that came. And so that cost was the weight on my conscience, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that constant slight whisper of God that you can drown out. Um, but it's just, it's hard to be drinking all day long, right? And so I drowned it out through money and buying things and having fun and, you know, whatever that might be gambling or whatever. I could just keep going. Like I said, constantly busy filling this void with anything I could, anyone or anything that I could.
0: There was always somewhere in your heart. um, God's a whisper by God wasn't there.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yep. That, um, that honestly I didn't wanna hear but yet I didn't wanna not hear either. You know, I, I know that seems so but when you're living a double life, which I was, you know, I, I appeared one way on the outside to to friends and family and then um did what I wanted, you know, with people that didn't know know me, know me. Um and so for me it was like I didn't wanna completely get the voice of God out of my head. I just I just didn't really want to hear too much from him because I didn't want to change.
0: You had I many. Hurt- I didn't want to live yes. a holy life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had many hurdles. Um, you uh, yeah. hired a Christian counselor because uh, you wanted to make sure God was in the picture, and yet that isn't what he did. He didn't bring God into the picture uh, for well, you. Yeah. And. Um, well,
1: he brought some form of God, but right. he never brought the Word of God, which I feel is foundational right right um to our faith and and so for me we can all talk about god and god loves you and god is love and you know um all the good and beautiful aspects of god which are true but without his justice and his truth and his ways we're changing who god is and that's what was to me happening and from my perspective is without bringing out the word of god and and walking through the scriptures with me um I don't know that we're talking about the same God, then, you know. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that was uh, that was not not what I had hoped for. But at the same uh-huh. time, I also kind of liked it because then it meant again I didn't have to change, and I just talked to a Christian, right? right. And so, if yes. a Christian's telling me I'm okay, then I guess I can try to convince myself I'm okay too.
0: But you thought maybe God was believed that way too, because you asked God multiple times to take away feelings that you had for women and he never did. And so you wondered if he wanted you to live openly gay.
1: Well, um, I think I wanted to believe that, you know, because then it, it made it easier to kind of walk that li you know, kind of live out that lifestyle. But to be honest, father, I never, I never really thought God was okay with what I was doing, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, Even when people, Christians, priests, um, pastors would tell me that it was okay, you know, um, I never truly, truly believed it. And that's why I think I continued to keep seeking as well. Um, But it was, it soothed my, it quieted the voice enough that I could keep doing what I was doing. But again, I was never at peace, right? So that to me shows show showed myself something of like if I was really okay and God was really okay with what i'm how I'm choosing to live, then wouldn't I feel better? <laughs> yes. you know wouldn't I not feel still guilty and and not just the guilt but just this lack of peace you know so like i said it it was really this this internal kind of war that was always going on,
0: and then a guy enters your life um Mm-hmm. And when you were around him, uh, his way of living was intriguing and strangely attractive. And after she told him what uh, you were doing, um, mm-hmm. she needed God somehow to make things better. Um, God, Mark decided to try to work things out, but you didn't know how to take it when he told you that he loved mm-hmm. your heart. And you write in your, mm-hmm. your book, Mark, that doesn't work. I, I want to know what you love about my heart. I did believe he loved me, but that wasn't the problem. I didn't love myself. I wanted to love yeah. myself like he loved me. I couldn't understand how he could know the things I'd done and not just with Brittany, but still love my heart, the heart which felt gross and small. How could he love me? I didn't even love me. You don't know yourself, you. Kimmy responded gently. You don't see the beauty that I see in your heart. I pushed for more of him but got nowhere. Finally, he said, if you really want to see your heart, ask God to show it to you. And then you write further, there it was. Mark went home and I laid on my bed not knowing that the one question I was about to ask would change my life forever. I stared Mm -hmm. up at the ceiling fan. From the depths of my heart, I begged, God, please show me my heart. In that moment, something happened that had never happened before. The instant those words came out of my mouth, God moved. Quite a moment for you.
1: Yeah. One I'll never forget. I pray I never forget. Yeah. Um, that, that real heart cry, see, when God says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be open. You know, I, I had asked God to do a lot of things for me. Right. A lot of my relationship with God was, God, do this. God, can you do this? God, can you bless me with this? God, can you keep me safe? You know, Um, but it was never, you know, God, can you tell me how you see me? You know, it was, it was never that real heartfelt, God, I want to know you and I want to know your heart. And so this was the first time that I can remember um, in my adult life, you know, maybe as a little kid, I might've said a few things, but in my adult life, I had never really asked God just a question like that. And so, but when I did, uh, he he responded, and um, I I, re- I responded as well.
0: <laughs> so, and then the beginning of um, your life today, uh, you remember visiting priests, showing pictures of his mission in Africa, taking care of kids mm-hmm. who had next to nothing, and you, uh, she, you had completely forgotten about it. And the priest told her, "Not now." But in God's time, and you she, you believed it was a message from God, but you couldn't go because you had not been vaccinated. At 23, you're confused about what God wants you to do. How do you end up in Ethiopia at this point in your life?
1: Well, that was really, um, that, that was God's hand, because when, when you know, he, when he reminded me of that memory when I was a kid, when I said, God, show me my heart, and, and he shows me um, this memory that I, I totally forgot about when I was, uh, you know, in middle school, I've had this deep desire I had to go to, to Africa. Um, I was like, okay, wow. And I, I was just flooded with um, excitement. I was flooded with kind of love is really what I could say. And, um, and so I, yeah, I said, okay, well, then I'm, I'm gonna go to Africa. <laughs> I didn't know where. Um, so I just kind of went through my own logic. And I was like, okay, I know someone who lives over there. And I'll, I'll do that. And, you know, a lot, a lot went on details are in the book, but in that, um, it, it didn't work out. The trip I had paid for got canceled or I got canceled from going on the trip because I didn't follow all the rules, um, that they asked me to. <laughs> and, um, and so I got really angry at God. I'm like, why did you show me Africa? And then I try to go and you take it away from me, you know, and, and, um, so by his grace, um, about a week later. He had opened the door for me to go to Ethiopia um, through a really funny and totally not planned way, and so yeah, I went to I went to Ethiopia about you know maybe a few weeks after my first trip was canceled or I wasn't able to go, um, and wow, was that right where he wanted me because you know when I was going to go on my in my way I was going to go with a group of Americans. Um, and with this organization, and and who knows how God would have used that, but this time he sent me alone. I went Mm. literally by myself, and so there was a vulnerability. Um, I didn't have to be someone, um, you know, especially with everything I just shared before of materialism and and trying to, you know, I I was living very exterior, and so when he brought me to Ethiopia and I was by myself, um, there was no one to impress. There was no one to Really entertain or anything like that. It was just it was just me and and God and then whatever He wanted to show me. And so um, I'm thankful that uh, He didn't let my plans succeed.
0: Yeah, let me just make a few comments before we go to our first break. You you believe that one point you met this lovely lovely year old girl. This, I won't t- tell the whole story, um, but uh, uh, you believe God was calling you at one point to move to Ethiopia, uh, and you thought that maybe there was a part of you that you hadn't discovered yet, because and you find great mm-hmm. joy in simplicity of life. And, and you thought, mm-hmm. well, maybe you should just stay in the United States and make money uh, to send there. And so you look for a sign from God on what to do. And the priest told you, is there a better way to die than to mm-hmm. live for something worth living for? So we're going to take this break, and then we'll be right back. Welcome back to Amplify, where our guest is Kim Zimber. We're talking about a book, Restless Heart, My Struggle with Life and Sexuality. Um, If you live long enough, you know that there's so much we can learn from another person's life, especially from their their personal struggles, because we all struggle with life uh, in one way or another at some point in our life and perhaps even with sexuality. But it's a story really about uh, God in so many ways, uh, Kim, even in the midst of her seemingly turning away from God, is looking for a sign from God about what to do. And at one point, uh, she uh, fin- she believes she finally wanted to live for something more than herself. And she trusted in God's plan. And she writes, for the first time ever, life was hard. I was learning what real life was like god was teaching me and i was finally learning crash course style and that lasted for a while Uh, and then you returned to what you missed in the united states didn't you
1: well yes um short answer yes but um the part that was kind of missed over is that when i was in ethiopia um i wasn't alone right so i had the boyfriend that i was dating um and so in that, um, he, you know, I brought someone into my calling. I brought the boyfriend because I didn't think I could make it on my own, and so God has a call on each one of our lives, but that doesn't mean you bring a friend to it, and so I had brought a a friend, and, and he was done living there, and so for me, I wasn't really willing to live there on my own, and so yeah, we both came back to the States, and then now I'm living somewhere where I don't really want to be, don't feel called to be, but also don't feel like I could be there by myself. And so I was kind of torn, not blaming the situation, just the reality. And so for me, I, I, you know, actually the boyfriend proposed. And so um, I was very torn in that for sure.
0: Right. And you didn't uh, feel called to be married. Um, Never. And you felt... um... Your your life felt more like you said, like a TV show than reality. And while you're Mm -hmm. on a cruise, you kiss a married woman, but you indicated, indicated it could have been worse. But you go on to say you wonder how God could watch all of this happen and do nothing. And you ask God to stop you, stop you, stop what you're doing, because you can't stop yourself. That's a question that many people ask at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. And
1: Yeah, I mean, I just remember being so miserable, and, and it was my choices. I was making these choices. Um, I mean, I had just gotten married, cheated on my husband with a married woman, and basically having an affair. And I'm thinking, what am I doing, and why are you not stopping me, God? You know, never taking accountability. Um, though I knew I was making the decisions, it was like, please intervene, God. Like, just stop me from being... Just so reckless, um, and he didn't. <laughs>
0: right. And then you talk about in the chapter uh, being being caught, that uh, you had mm-hmm. you had your own beliefs, but you weren't ready to live by them, not just yet. You wanted to have fun and do what you felt like doing, um, and you indicate that some things only stay alive in the in the dark but there was always a part of you that wanted to do what God wanted. Tell us about that part in yourself.
1: Yeah, I believe, I mean, really, even back to high school, I believe I I really always did have a desire to to live for the Lord, Um, but the phrase that just keeps coming was just not yet. And again, to kind of repeat the words of St. Augustine, you know, where he says, Lord, make me chase, just not right now. Um, You know, and that's kind of what I was experiencing as I had a desire for holiness, but not at a young age. You know what I mean? Like not yet, though. You know, I'll do that later, God. And so all through, I was just pushing away the plans of God because I thought that that meant, I thought holiness meant boring. I thought holiness meant, you know, no fun. And so for me, it was, I was torn always between having a good time, whatever that might look like is not good time as it might have been. It still was, quote unquote, fun, I guess. And so for me, um, you know, now it had gotten so far that it was like, OK, this is no longer fun. Um, I'm ruining other people's lives. I just made, you know, a promise under you, God, and to this man. And, and now I'm destroying that and destroying, you know, another person's marriage as well. And so I just started to realize, wait a minute, I got to take accountability for the choices I'm making here and stop asking God to just change me or stop me. And I got to look at at what I'm doing. And um, so, yeah, it was it was I don't know, it was just such a deep pit I was in uh, that I'd gotten myself into and um, I'd gotten tired of it because now I started to see it was affecting a lot more than just myself. And I didn't I didn't like that. I didn't like that, especially with how wonderful this man that I chose to marry was. Though, though I never felt called to marriage, I thought, well, I'm surely not going to be alone all my life. And um, the only other option is to get married because I don't want to be a nun. And so the only other option is to get married. And so who better than this wonderful man? And so hurting him and doing what I did to him um, helped to wake me up. I know that sounds so horrible that it took such a horrible decision and, and whatnot that I was doing, but, um, God in his mercy did, did wake me up through it. And so, um, in a way he did answer my prayer, um, yes. you know, just not in the way, uh, that anybody would want it, myself included. So, yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question, but yeah, it does. kind of unpacks a little bit more.
0: And you, and you write in your book, uh, Restless Heart, um, Now I had to deal with my choices, and sadly, so did Mark. Mm -hmm. He didn't come to bed that night. At some point, I woke to the faint sound of his voice. He was crying. I have no doubt that he was talking to God. As for me, I was sure that God didn't want anything to do with me. God had Mm -hmm. been trying to speak to me, but I had continually ignored his still, small voice. I thought that since I had ignored him for so many years, now it was God's turn to ignore me. My heart was broken, mm-hmm. my body was weakened, my mind was tormented. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, every piece of me was sick. I sat there in the knowledge of what I'd done, not just with Katie, but with everyone. It was all surrounding me. I'd made such a mess of so many lives. How could anything ever be normal again was my life since high school even normal in the first place for the first time in my life i actually thought it would probably be better if i were just dead so you went that far Mm -hmm. even in your thoughts
1: absolutely i i remember there was a few days just feeling like there's no point in living um by God's grace, I never tried to take my life, but I have a feeling you don't try to take your life without first thinking about taking it. And so I remember for at least three days, just not wanting to get out of bed. I was completely depressed thinking, I think it actually would be better if I were dead. I Everywhere I turn, I'm hurting people. I'm hurting myself. I'm lying. I'm It was just such a mess that I had gotten myself in, that um, it seemed like there was no reversing what I had just done, everything that I had just not done, not just one decision, but all of them, and all of them that led to each other as well. So yeah, I'd never been that low in my life.
0: And before this point, uh, the same counselor that you had gone to earlier tells you that, that you were gay, and then you go to a, uh, a priest. Um, he seems to be compassionate, but he tells you there is nothing wrong being with a woman and that if God doesn't care, why should she? Really not the advice to give, is it?
1: Well, um, I would call that, I believe he did feel bad for me. He saw yes. how tormented and torn I was and what misery I was in. And I think from a human compassion, he wanted to soothe that. Um, but the reality is, is truth and compassion outside of Jesus Christ, truth, um, is not going to bring freedom and and true peace to my soul or anybody's soul. And so, He was giving me what a human would give, and I didn't go to a priest uh, to give human compassion. I I went to a priest because I wanted, I wanted God. <laughs> and yes. so when when that wasn't given, I mean, of course, those were not verbatim His words, but that was the message, you know, that He gave that God loves me and that you know why would you know love is love and god loves love i'm like this all sounds good but man you know outside of the cheating and things like this even it just didn't it didn't ever settle in my heart um and so yeah that was really discomforting it made me question a lot more because i was like well why does the bible say this and you know, there's a lot of back and forth. And so it now made me question not only myself, but also made me question now even the Bible, because I thought, well, geez, I don't even understand the Bible. If if I've gotten this wrong, then what else am I getting wrong? And it it seemed like you would just keep bringing back, no, it's just this part you'd understand. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. The only part I struggle with in my life is the part I don't understand in the Bible. Like, that seems convenient, you know, um, that it's not what it seems like. And it just, it started to water down the gospel. And that brought even more confusion into my mind and my heart as well. And, and I'm not blaming the priest. I, I don't condone or celebrate what he did. And I believe as leaders, um, that there's, a, as, as shepherds, you have a, you said yes to a call to the truth of Jesus Christ, no matter if somebody likes it or not. Um, the truth shall set us free, and that truth is, is Christ and his, his ways.
0: Except you go to a second. But I didn't get that. No, and you go to a second priest who saw no wrong with what you were doing.
1: Yeah, I went to uh, another priest, and, and then I went to a Protestant pastor as well, and same thing, yeah. or similar, similar message, different words, similar message.
0: Right, and um, there are a lot of surprises in your life, it seems to be that, but for those who have such surprises in their li- in our own lives, it, it doesn't seem so strange. But you get a divorce from Mark, but then the two of you still live together for two years. Is that right?
1: Uh, no. We. Oh, lived that's together, after.
0: Um, oh no.
1: Yeah. So so we we ended up getting a divorce. We we ended up actually getting an annulment, um, and. I ended up dating the girl that I cheated on him with for about two years. Mark and I, um, while we were going through the divorce, we still lived together. Um, he wanted to work on the marriage, and I, I knew that I had said yes uh, when I shouldn't have in the beginning, and I had to be real with that. This was much more than a battle with sexuality. This was a battle with myself and um, I chose to enter the covenant of marriage before I even knew myself. And um that was unfortunately I mean, I don't condone divorce. I don't condone um you know, I absolutely work on things, but this was beyond this well, I shouldn't say it's beyond because God can do anything, but I I felt like I had answered a call that was not for me. Like I said in the beginning, I never felt called to marriage. Um, but I made the decision to get married out of the fear of being alone. And I don't believe that's why God calls us into marriage.
0: Yeah, but someone at some point told you that God loves you just with the way you are. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's true in some sense, that God loves us, still yeah. loves us, uh, no matter what we're doing. It's what we may be doing that God doesn't love. But uh, you weren't sure God loved what you were doing. You may love me, right. but I'm not sure that he loves what I'm doing.
1: Right. And that was, the, that was the wrestle that I called, because everybody always told me, God loves you. I said, I know that. <laughs> and I don't mean that, you know, I, I don't mean that as in that's not important. It's it's everything. That's life, right? But the reality is, is does he like and does he love what I'm choosing to do, right? And that was the question, because that's the separation of the person from the action, right? Separating me that God loves, or you who God loves, right? Because God loves every one of his creation— from what me or you, his creation, chooses to do. Um, The more holy I am, God doesn't love me more. The more I sin, God doesn't love me less. I can't change the heart of God and his love for me. Mm -hmm. But there's a reality that the choices I make may not be loved by him, and that's what I was wrestling with. I never questioned whether or not God loves me. Um, by, By his grace, I never questioned his love for me. I just questioned if he loved how I was living.
0: And you're right. My house was more like a giant mirror forcing me to stare at myself. I was miserable. It was too real. I was doing what I wanted. Shouldn't I feel great? So in the midst of this, you're you're really not feeling good about yourself or even what you're doing?
1: No. I mean, after after I went to quite a few people on, you know, what I, what I need to do. And nobody celebrated, just so you know, it was never celebrated or condoned about me cheating on my husband or any, any of the cheating or lying that was never condoned, um, by anybody, but the same sex relationships were, and this trying to tell me that I'm gay, um, which clearly I understand why they would say that. I mean, I'm, I was attracted to women and I was physically with them, so I could see where they're coming from, but from the lens of Christ, that shouldn't be my identity, right? And so for me, I wanted to know what to do with these feelings and these desires in Christ's lens. Like, what what would I do? You know, what do I do now? And so um, for me, it was now I was living open and out and dating this woman, right? No longer hiding, no longer cheating, no longer going, living a double life. And I was still miserable.
0: Yes. Is this the woman that wanted to have a baby? Yes. And that's not something that you wanted to do.
1: Well, okay. So as I've kind of laid out in the book, I did have some morals. <laughs> it may not sound like it, um, but I did have some some morals that I was like, wow, that's, that's too far, right? So like for me, yeah, sure, I would drink, but I wouldn't do drugs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sure, I would kiss women, but I wouldn't have sex with men. Right so there were some things I was like no that that I believe God got that right. You know so I was, I was really figuring out what God got right and what he got wrong in his commandments. Uh I've come to know that he's always right but unfortunately I had to learn that in the hard way but so in that um when my girlfriend said she wanted to have a baby with me I was like uh oh that crosses a line. That one only God brings life and I'm not going to start creating life and trying to create life in a way that he didn't plan it. And so that now put me, it was like I stepped over one line and now I was faced with another. Yeah, I just stepped over the line of, you know, I didn't create woman for woman and man for man. So I stepped over that boundary and now I was faced with another one. And, and that one was too far for me. Um, and my girlfriend was furious.
0: You write, um, I could have blamed my discomfort on society, on my family, on my Christian upbringing, or even on God himself. But I didn't. I believe that God's gentle whisper was to remind me of his presence, to remind me that he was there for me whenever I was ready for him. The whispers never stopped, no matter how far I ran from them. Never once was his voice hateful. Never once was it shaming. Convicting, yes, but never condemning. I just didn't want to listen to it, not yet. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And that whisper never forced me to obey. When I didn't want to hear it, I could silence it. I could just drown it out. Tell us a little bit about that, about if someone said, uh, how, how, do you, how do you hear the whisper? from God how how would you try to help them or on the other hand if if they if they didn't want to hear it to tell them what they had to do to drown it out both sides of the scale
1: yeah i think um well
0: you can't drown out what you
1: don't hear so i think starting there um if you're trying to drown something out that means you're hearing and i think for me you know hearing god was um was always this just, Kim, I've got better for you. Kim, please don't do this. Not, Kim, I'm mad at you. I, I hate you. Um, this is sin. No, it was it was always this, just this, wasn't necessarily an audible voice. Um, but in a sense, I could kind of hear it in my mind. And then I could sense it in my in my soul, in my heart. I'm not sure which one. Um, but I, it was just this deep sense of like, you know. And then also there were times where I felt, you know, when I would feel, um, like I had to hide something or I had to, um, when I would feel guilty of, of something, it was like, wait a minute, that why is that, you know? And so I would kind of sit with that unintentionally. Um, and that's where I would realize God was trying to, to draw me into, um, different choices, you know, for a full life, not because he's mad at me, but because he has better for me. And so, um, Yeah, I would say, you know, I I have this saying now that a lot of people ask me, how do you know if you hear God? Well, I always ask myself, okay, is this something I want to do, right? Like if I'm hearing something and it's like, uh, don't eat, let's let's make it a little easier, if it's about a donut, (laughs) right? And I kind of get this sense of don't eat that donut. And so I ask myself, well, do I want to eat that donut? Me, Kim Zember, do I want to eat that donut? Yes, I do. Okay, then that voice that I'm hearing might be God. Now I take it and I say, does whatever I'm hearing line up to the word of God? Right. If you don't know the word of God, that's going to be really hard to line it up. But if you do know the word of God and that voice doesn't contradict the word of God, then that's my second sign right there. I'm like, okay, hmm.
0: let me take I think hold, that might be him. Hold a thought. We need to take this break.